We're in Exodus chapter 6. We'll be looking at verse 28 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll look at the first seven verses of chapter 7. This is a little bit of a difficult sermon this morning because we will see God in this verses, and he's got a vendetta against a man called Pharaoh. And he's setting Pharaoh up, hardening his heart, according to God's word, so he can show himself strong on behalf of his people. But today we live in the age of grace, where God has chosen to deal with mankind through mercy and kindness. So from the time of the cross through today until the rapture occurs, we're in the dispensation of grace. But with Moses and the children of Israel, God has chosen to make evil Pharaoh, king of Egypt, an example of his power and of his authority. And God, or Yahweh, he is orchestrating the events in Egypt to demonstrate his authority over what is at this time the greatest kingdom on the earth. But by living in the age of grace that we're in, as a people, as a nation, we don't always see the severity of God we don't always see how God hates sin, and because of his character, he must judge sin. And with Pharaoh, it's like God is setting this man up, and he wants the whole world to witness his strength and power against an evil king. And we see here that part of God's character in the book of Exodus it requires him to judge Pharaoh for his sinful heart. And the judgmental side of God, God who is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, can be almost foreign to us who live in this age of grace. But as we read Exodus, we're allowed to see God bring judgment upon an evil nation, an evil king, a people who reject God and do not believe in him, but prefer idols and prefer a sinful lifestyle. Egypt has forced the children of Israel, God's people, into rigorous hard labor, into slavery. Now Israel, under their bondage, are crying out to God, and they're crying out, God, deliver us. And God hears them. And we see God putting the final touches on Pharaoh and Egypt and all of their evil ways. And God is about to judge them. Pharaoh declared in chapter 5, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And then he says, I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. These are extremely prideful words 
when you direct them towards God. And these words of Pharaoh have come up into the ears of God. And now God, or Yahweh, will demonstrate to Pharaoh who he is. Pharaoh has crossed that line. He has set his heart against the living God. And he will see that God is all-powerful, God is divine, and he will also see that he is not. (laughs) He is not God and he is not all-powerful. And the whole world will witness the power and authority that God brings upon Egypt through the plagues. And it's important for us as Christians to read of Israel's exodus out of slavery, how God brings them out of bondage, and he does so with a mighty hand. So let's pick up our reading in Exodus chapter 6, verse 26, and we'll go through 7, verse 7. Verse 26. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same, Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am a man of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of the land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, And multiply my signs, my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh, he will not heed you. And let's listen to this. So that, because of, I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Quite an interesting little reading. Back in verse 13 of chapter 6, God commanded, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. 6.26, God repeats, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, in case Moses and Aaron do not understand the spokesman for God, in verse 27 we hear God say, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Three times. God has told him, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, in my sermon, sometimes I will try to make the same point, and I will use different examples, uh, different words, trying to make the same point. 
God uses the very same words three times. <clears throat> three times, and then he says in verse 29, I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. God is as straightforward and plain. He is at, uh, as stern as he can be with his words, how Moses is not to go into Pharaoh and try to be politically correct. Moses, I've told you what to say to Pharaoh. Just deliver my words to him. Sometimes we want to try to make people understand with our own logic. But God says, you just go into Pharaoh and tell him what I've told you. This past week, I met a man who openly declared to me that he was an atheist. And this is right after he had asked me what I did for a living. I'm a pastor. I'm an atheist. Okay. <laughs> and his words, I am an atheist. What does it matter? Now, I can't let that one go. <laughs> and I simply said, there's two reasons that it matters. Heaven and hell. And I wasn't trying to be rude to him. But for anyone who takes a position that there is no God, I feel that it is my point, my place, to point out heaven and hell are real. They're not subjective. They're not maybes. They are real. And when our few years in this life are over, and when we spent our time here, heaven and hell become extremely important. So it does matter what we believe. And this man was saying, what does it matter? What we believe determines life or death. And I could not ignore his comment of what does it matter. Because eternity is far too important to be casual about where we spend it. God in verse 7 of chapter, uh, 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 verse 1 of chapter 7 rather, tells Moses how this whole episode, how this whole thing's going to play out with Pharaoh. And here's what's going to happen, Moses. I have made you as a God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, I have made him as your prophet. So Moses, stop hiding behind words like, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. That is just trying to bail out on what God has called him to. And he says, Moses, I've commanded you three times. Hear me this fourth time. Tell Pharaoh. He must send the children of Israel out of the land. No ifs, ands, or buts. Sometimes we can have the tendency to make sure those that we're talking to understand where we're coming from. After all, we don't want to appear dogmatic or radical. And I recently heard a father, a Christian father, almost pleading with his small son why he should do what dad 
said. The father went into all these details of the why that his child should obey him. And I'm sitting there thinking, why explain to a child who does not understand your reasoning to be obedient to you? Just tell the child no and let your no be no or yes and let your yes be yes. There comes a time as a parent that you must tell your child, just do it because I told you to. And they don't need any further explanation. Moses and Pharaoh have reached that point with God where God does not want Moses to go in and explain to Pharaoh the reasons to let the children of Israel go. That's over with. God is not reasoning with Pharaoh any longer. You speak what I command you, Moses, because God doesn't want Moses to pollute his word to Pharaoh. And don't try to be logical, Moses. Don't dare try to be politically correct. God wants Pharaoh to hear his commands explicitly. And Moses, don't mealy-mouth the Lord's commands. The world desperately needs to hear the truth about Jesus. We need to be spreading the word that through Jesus, it is the only way of salvation. And we Christians, we should always be firm in that truth. Always be firm that it's through the cross of Jesus that our salvation comes. And that fellow who was an atheist that I was talking to, well, his friend happened to be a Muslim. There we go. <laughs> and this Muslim friend began to tell me how Christianity and the Muslim religion, they were very similar. And that he had Christian friends. And he went on to tell me how the Muslims accept Jesus but he had to point out that the Jews do not accept Jesus. And uh, I asked him, well then, if that's your belief, is Jesus God? Oh, no, no, there is only one God. And my reply to him was simple, then you don't accept Jesus. End of the case. <laughs> you know, and our conversation got changed right then. <laughs> they didn't want to hear about Jesus being God. God wants Pharaoh to hear his command straightforward, no flowery speeches. Let my people go, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh needs to hear it that way. And we Christians, we have words of life. We have Jesus' words. And in verse 3, God tells Moses, he says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And throughout the book of Exodus, we will read how Pharaoh will harden his heart one time, and then the next time God will harden his heart Uh but understand, God created us, all of mankind, 
with a free will. And God does not harden Pharaoh's heart against his free will. He sets his heart in the path that he has chosen. In the same manner, God doesn't force salvation upon any of us. God never forces us to accept his son, even though God knows that is the best possible thing we could ever do. Pharaoh has set his mind and his heart completely against the true and living God. And Pharaoh has done this knowingly and willingly. And as Christians who are familiar with the goodness and kindness of our God, we above all people should never take God's grace and mercy as weakness nor should any other person. Love and grace are not weak. They are patient. Verse 4, Pharaoh says, I'm not going to heed you, Moses. I'm not going to listen to your words. But now it's important for us, and, and don't miss this, God desires that Egypt and Israel, Moses and Aaron, rather, see his power. God wants to demonstrate his power to all of Egypt, all of Israel, and to Moses and Aaron. And God says, I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my armies and my people out of Egypt by great judgment. And God doesn't explain that. He's just stating the truth, the facts. But when a king or a kingdom begins to think that they are above or perhaps even stronger than God or a little wiser than God, and they refuse to listen to God or obey his commandments, that nation is setting themselves up for his judgment. Do you know of any nation like that? Judgment from God can come in a variety of ways. Stronger nations can overpower weaker nations, take, take that nation as captive, take them and make them slaves out of them. God can use things like financial crises. We recently saw the collapse of Russia through financial uh, means the whole nation just collapsed and went to a barter system for years. Their money was virtually worthless. And this can happen nationally, and this can happen personally. God can use our finances. The lack of prosperity in our lives to get our attention. We call them recessions and depressions. I've had people that come to me because they're going through a financial crunch. And as we begin to talk about their spending habits and, and, and things like that, we begin to see that they have cut back on spending wherever they can. And then they say, we don't have any choice but now to cut back on our giving to God. 
I, and I'll, I'll ask, I say, you're going to cut back on giving to God, the one who provides everything for you? I said, to me, that's foolishness. We should never cut back on the one who provides us with everything. But God has the right to judge, bring judgment upon us any way he chooses. One of the biggest turnarounds in the attitude of people that I have ever seen was right after Katrina. Several of us from uh, our church here went down <clears throat> to the Gulf Coast. It was the most opportunity I think I've ever had to witness of Jesus and how people humbly listen. And it was right after a catastrophe. I've told this story before, but we're there and we're working the communities in the streets and we're in a, a center where they're giving out uh, food and clothing items to people. And people would uh, get shopping carts and push them through these lines and get all the things they needed. I'm talking to a lady that's pushing her shopping cart through this line. And it becomes obvious to me she needs Jesus. And I said, would you like to have Jesus come into your life and be part of your life? She said, I would. I pray for her to receive Jesus right there as we push him through the line. As we get through the line, I'm sitting over there and having a, a drink of, of some sort, some soda or something. This woman comes up with me to me, and she's got her husband this time. She says, you know that prayer you just prayed with me about salvation? I said, yeah. She said, would you pray it with my husband? Well, oh, okay, I will. People, when they're judged for whatever reason, God has their attention. And I never saw such an open door for evangelism that I saw in uh, the Gulf Coast right after Katrina. It was amazing. And we see the same thing here as tornadoes hit. People start coming together. The things of God become more and more critical, more and more important. So we see judgment come from God many times in a variety of ways. But back to Egypt. God will bring great plagues upon Egypt. Judgments that are from him. One, they're to deliver Israel out of the land. That's why God's demonstrating his power. And second, God is wanting to show Egypt that their idols, their false god, have absolutely no power in light of him. They're worthless. And God wants Pharaoh and Egypt to know he is the one bringing judgment upon them. And he doesn't hide from it. So Moses must go before Pharaoh and declare God's commands. And God is no longer pleading with Pharaoh or Egypt to do right. God says, you will bring the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
In fact, Pharaoh, you're going to even drive them out of your land to get them out. Now, here's the beautiful part. Today, we serve the same God that delivered Israel. So this morning, are you going through it? Are you in a desperate situation? Have things sort of piled up against you? You're working hard, but things seem to be getting worse. Do you feel like you're in Egypt under hard slavery? Take a clue from Israel. This is so important. Israel cried out to God and God heard them. And God set in motion one of the greatest exoduses of a people out of a land that ever transpired because they cried out to God. Deliver us, God. We're to know and understand that God loves us because we are his children. And he desires to show himself strong on our behalf. But sometimes he's simply waiting for us to cry out to him. Simply humble ourselves and cry out to our God. God showed his strength and power against a king, against a man that Egypt worshipped, a man that called himself God. And when the children of Israel cried out to God, they didn't allow their pride to stop them from crying out, help us God, deliver us God. So let the children of Israel be an example to us. Are you in need? And that need can be spiritual needs, it can be financial needs, it can be physical needs, whatever. Are you in need? Humble yourself and cry out to God. Allow Him the opportunity to show Himself strong on your behalf because He delights in it. He delights in rescuing His people. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. Father, first of all, we want to always be humble before you, Lord. And none of us have arrived. We know you're working in each and every life. But Lord, when there's needs, let us be quick to turn to you. Let us be quick to cry out to you, our Lord and our God. For you love us. You hear us and you desire to rescue us. So, Lord, be with us. First of all, show us, be faithful to show us our need. Sometimes we're so busy in life, we don't even see our greatest need that's right before us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to turn to you with our whole heart. And then, Lord, we would just pray, show yourself strong on our behalf. Be our deliverer. Be our Lord and be our God. And we will worship you and we will praise you. And we thank you ahead of time for loving us and rescuing us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.